The thing that I say a lot is that perfectionism may have gotten you where you are, but it's not going to get you where you want to go. Because at a certain point, when you are just relying on perfectionism on a survival technique, all of these other opportunities are invisible because perfectionism, when, when you're in a survival mode, your body, your mind, your brain, your thoughts, your ideas, the opportunities are in a very small container. And there's a lot that is just unavailable to you. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis marmet We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello, and welcome to episode 68 of the Art of Living Well podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to ask that if you enjoy this podcast, if you would take just two minutes to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Doing so helps us reach more people so others can benefit from the inspiring conversations and information that we share. We would also love it if you would share this episode with a friend or family or anyone that you you think may benefit from it and tag us on social media. We'd also love to give a special shout out to our listeners all over the world. It's so exciting to the two of us to see each week that our listenership is just growing and growing. Um, We have listeners in India and Canada and the UK and Australia and Spain and Belgium and Mexico and Nepal and Germany and the list goes on and on. So thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. And a few quick announcements. We just wanted to let you know that we have a free at-home workout guide that we created and it supports um, a lot of local small businesses. They're fantastic workouts. There's a big range of different kinds of workouts. Um, And you can find that on our link in our Instagram page or on our show notes. So feel free to download that. We also have created an online sugar workshop that you can do at your own pace and it's perfect for a reset or to reduce cravings and again that is found in our instagram profile or in our show notes Um, another thing stephanie and i have been on the new app called clubhouse and we are hosting a room every wednesday at 1 p.m central standard time The last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about sugar and why it's so addicting. We would love to have you join us. If you need an invite to the app, please reach out to us. Today, we are so excited to welcome Audrey Holst. Audrey helps people reform their perfectionism to create a life that makes a difference. Her work uses a combination of mindfulness and neuroscience tools and combines over a decade of experience teaching yoga and mindfulness with deep knowledge of the nervous system, and she has extensive training, and she's worked as a certified professional coach through the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. And through her fortitude and flow process, Audrey guides individuals and groups through a holistic experience to shift the way they approach themselves and the things that matter to them really for good. I loved this conversation with Audrey, where we really um, jumped into all things perfectionism. I think that Stephanie and I both would consider ourselves to be kind of recovering perfectionists. And we love what Audrey had to say about all of this. And we're super excited to share this conversation with our audience. But before we dive in with Audrey, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Appetite for Change. Appetite for Change is a nonprofit in North Minneapolis that uses food as a tool for health, wealth, and social change. 
This year, in light of COVID and the unrest in Minneapolis, Appetite for Change has continued to ground themselves in their mission and center their work around community connection and nourishing food. They launched a pilot program called Community Cooks Meal Boxes, which provides fresh produce and pantry items, plus two recipes for over 300 families at no cost to the family. The program has been such a success that it has been extended for another six weeks and will continue into 2021. AFC has utilized the kitchens of their two restaurants, Breaking Bread Cafe and Station 81, to produce over 200,000 meals that have been distributed across the Twin Cities to healthcare workers, seniors, and families in need. In addition, they have seven farm plots across North Minneapolis that are tended to by community members and Appetite for Change youth learning how to grow a variety of plants. These fresh fruits and vegetables are distributed throughout the North Side. Even in 2021, Appetite for Change is committed to building a more equitable food system by delivering fresh and nourishing food to healthcare workers, seniors, and families in need, tending urban gardens and more. We have been collaborating with Appetite for Change over this past year, and we have loved their dedication to their mission, and we so look forward to volunteering with their organization and working with them more in 2021. To learn more about Appetite for Change, listen to episode 31 of our podcast with one of their founders, Michelle Horowitz. For more information or to donate, head on over to appetiteforchangemn.org backslash impact or on Instagram and Facebook at Appetite for Change. Hi, Audrey. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Art of Living Well podcast today. We just love meeting like-minded people in the health and wellness space. And everyone has a story, and we'd love for you to share your journey and how you ended up creating Fortitude and Flow, and how many of your jobs along the way kind of led you to where you are today. Uh, well, first of all, I'm super psyched to be here, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about my journey because I think it's it's always helpful for me to hear about how other people have gotten to where they are and how everybody's paths are so different. So I've had kind of a strange path. I've gone through many different routes of employment and many different uh, modalities. So I spent my beginning years uh, in the horse industry, actually riding and training horses. That was actually what I went to school for originally was equine business management and riding. So I started off there. Uh, I tried the, okay, uh, I was encouraged by my dad to get a, a, I'm going to put this in quotes, normal job with benefits and, you know, all the good stuff. And and that's, so that's what I did and, uh, did not work out well for me. It was not, I'm not built for cube life. So I decided to quit that job and fly off to Hawaii and become a yoga instructor. (laughs) So amazing. Yeah. Sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So I, uh, I did that. I, I did taught full-time for about 13 years. And during those 13 years, I also was in studio management. I was in studio ownership. I, so I was teaching yoga. I was involved with a lot of mindfulness practices and teaching mindfulness practices. During that time, I also got my certification as a coach. Uh, I had a student say, you know, you should be a life coach. And I thought that was the strangest thing I'd ever heard. I was like, what is that? life coach. That is so weird. And then it was one of those late night Googling, what is a life coach? And then that like, oh, this is something's here. So got my certification. And so I I had these sort of journeys. And when I got to the end of my partnership that I had the yoga studio with, I, I had this literal physical feeling of something sitting on my shoulder going, you have got to do there is some, you have to take this next step and do this next thing, which was stepping into, into my business, my coaching business, this particular iteration that I have now fortitude and flow. And the name came from a conversation with a coach I had at the time. She was just an amazing wordsmith. And we talked about the, it originally came from the concepts of what we experience in our bodies, this feeling of solidness and this feeling of movement, the bones and the muscles, right? The blood and the marrow, right? This, this sort of embodiment that we have as humans that is very solid and unmovable. And then also that moves, right? This, this aspect that we all embody ourselves. So that's where the fortitude and flow came from. And in terms of the work that I'm doing, it's, it's been very 
um, consistent along the years. It uses my knowledge from yoga. It uses these concepts from neuroscience. It uses these concepts from mindfulness and kind of brings it all together to address something that is very near and dear to my heart. It's something that I've dealt with for decades of my life and something that I've worked with other people around, which is this concept of perfectionism. (laughs) Yes. So I'd love to dive into what is perfectionism? Yes. So I always say when I talk about perfectionism, this is my lens. I am not saying that I am the all-seeing, all-knowing individual who knows everything about perfectionism. This is my experience. This is my understanding of myself and how I've, I've worked other people through the process. So perfectionism is a survival technique. It is a way that we've learned how to survive. And a lot of us have picked this up from when we were really little. It is related to how we navigated family dynamics, how we navigated social dynamics, and we figured out this very particular way to survive in our lives. If we can just get it right, if we can do it correctly, if we can nail it, if we can be super helpful and super detail-oriented and follow all, right, there's this very particular format. If I can do that, then... It's all of these things as human beings, these needs get fulfilled, right? I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be belong. I'm going to be belong. I'll be taken care of. I'll be accepted. All of these things that we have wired into our biology, we feel, we think will be met by doing these particular behaviors. So um, the thing that I say a lot is that perfectionism may have gotten you where you are, but it's not going to get you where you want to go because at a certain point when you are just relying on perfectionism on a survival technique, all of these other opportunities are invisible because perfectionism, when, sur- when you're in a survival mode, your body, your mind, your brain, your thoughts, your ideas, the opportunities are in a very small container. And there's a lot that is just unavailable to you. You talk about um, someone's own personal operating system. Yes. So are you saying you kind of leave perfectionism and you go to your own personal operating system? Can you kind of explain that further and how somebody taps into that system? Totally. Yeah. So the operating system I talk about as having four main elements to them, and that is your biology, especially your nervous system. That is your ancestry. So if we talk about the science of epigenetics or just your lineage and your ancestors in general, how we are plugged into these things, we don't really talk about this much, but this is a a reality of us as humans, our experiences. So our own experiences and also the experiences of the people that came before us in our family lines and then our magical essence, right? There's this, this thing about every human being that is completely undefinable, that is magic, that is just unique to that human being, to that person. So what perfectionism does is it orients us outside of ourselves. It's orienting us to systems outside of us. It's orienting us to standards outside of ourselves. And it literally disconnects us from all of these things that that are innate and inherent and brilliant about us. And so when we're orienting out there, there's all of this... I'm gesturing like out, I'm gesturing out (laughs) there. Um, There is this, uh, there is this, a couple of elements that are always happening outside of our operating systems where we're trying to control, we're trying to compare, we are trying to compete. And there's this very conditional relationship thing that happens out here. So when we orient back towards ourselves and we start connecting to our biology, we start to understand our nervous systems and our reactions to our reality. We start to connect with our reality. We start to understand that a lot of the stuff that we come into this world with is not just ours to carry, but is actually carried through our DNA by the people that came before us, our own personal experiences and their experiences. And then again, tapping into and embracing this essence about ourselves that a lot of us reject or, or get rid of because we feel like if we don't follow the quote unquote perfect model, right? If we don't look like that, if we don't behave like that, if we aren't that, then, then all of the you know survival things start to kind of cascade. Wow. Um, I'm starting to like internalize all this right now <laughs> because I think, you know, and, and I, I'm not gonna speak for Marnie, but I, I for sure have a lot of these, um, elements of perfectionism and trying to step away from that. And I love something you said a little earlier, kind of backing up a bit. Perfectionism may have gotten you where you are today, but it won't take you where you want to go. If I'm remembering that quote. Yes. Yep. I think that's really, really powerful. Um, 
Can you dive into that a little bit more and like what you mean by that? Maybe peel back and give some, shed some examples. Yes. So a lot of the times, most people come to, they come to work with me when they've hit this crossroads, when they have this realization that like what I've been doing is not, it's, it's like, it's like hitting a wall. It's like, I can't get past this particular thing, this space, this, that like, I want to go forward, but I feel like I'm a, I can't, there's this, this embodied feeling that comes with it. So the things that I mentioned before, right. The control, the comparison, the competition and the conditional, all of these things, there is no thriving associated with any of this because it is looking at your environment and the people around you as something to battle, as something to be in conflict with, as a you versus me, it's very binary. It's very either or. And anytime I get into that either, when people get into the either or mentality or the this is this the way things are, I'm putting that in quotes mentality, you are dead in the water because um, that's a terrible term to say that, but, <laughs> but essentially you've hit a dead end because then you, you stop imagining anything different. This is just the way things are. That's an end of a sentence. There is no possibility beyond that. You can't imagine something different. You can't create something other than, you can't dream. I mean, people come to me and I start to push them to, hey, like, let's just, let's just play a little bit and give me some examples of some things that you would just never even imagine that could happen. And people can't even think about it. They can't even write about it. They can't even dream about it because they've been so trying to just like get through it. They have these crazy to-do lists. They think that like, okay, if I can make it through my to-do list, then things going to be okay. They don't know how to prioritize. Everything is urgent. And when everything is urgent, then, then nothing really matters. It, it's just not quite. So figuring out what actually matters to people, because they know that there are things in their gut that is like, this matters and I'm not putting my full energy into it. And that's frustrating, right? That's hard for people. You know, in your gut, when something matters and you're not putting your energy into it, that kind of cuts off our self-trust because, well, if, it, if I really cared about this thing, then I would put my energy into it. And it's like, well, yeah, you're fried. You don't have the resources. You can't. So like, let's clear some of this out, get you reconnected so that you can feel that knowing in yourself again and trust that knowing and, and move forward. Well, it's interesting too, because when I think of a perfectionist in my mind sometimes, and I definitely can have some of those tendencies or, you know, maybe not as much anymore, but I for sure used to, but I think of someone who's like, you know, let's say you're in school and you're writing a paper an essay and you just keep going over it and over it and over it and, you know, editing and editing and editing, and it's never finished. It's never perfect. Um, to the point where it's like, when you do turn it in, you still feel like it's terrible. Yeah. That's kind of what I think about as a perfectionist. And I'm just trying to kind of apply that to like day-to-day -day life and think about what that would look like on a daily basis for someone. Yeah. So there's a couple of, uh, I, I had a conversation recently and I think it's worth clarifying that how perfectionism looks on the outside can be very different than what it looks like on the, how it feels on the inside. So for, and it doesn't look the same on everybody. So I'll give you a few examples of, so, so like you mentioned with the paper, right? A perfectionist on the outside to other people may look very detail oriented. They may be, may be very helpful. They may be the people who always show up exactly on time or maybe a little bit early. They're the people who are often looked up to as being like, that's the ideal, that's the ideal, right? Wow, that person has just got it together. Like, wow. On the inside, what that can feel like is just a tremendous amount of anxiety. Somebody whose brain, whose mind is sort of always running and always worrying. Somebody who feels like there's this, there's just, again, it's like this underlying survival. Like if I don't do this, right. If I don't speak this, if I don't write this email exactly right, it's going to be misinterpreted. And this person is going to, right. You may spend long time trying to craft a stupid email because you're like, I just want this to be received correctly, right? Editing stuff out. Like you were talking about the paper, right? Yes. And then like you hit send and then there's this feeling of dread, like, oh my gosh, you know, when's the other shoe going to drop? There's that sort of internal feeling. The other way that perfectionism may show up for somebody is they may not look that neat and tidy from the outside. And on the inside, there's this feeling of like, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't do things a particular way, but like, I'm not built like that. So this, it's this constant like fighting against yourself to try to fit into 
a particular mold that is just not, you will never fit into. So it's like this constant battling, battling, battling. And all of this is an energy drain. That is one of the common things that perfectionists feel is like, I don't, I'm exhausted. I don't have the energy for the things that I really want to have the energy for. I think those are great examples and you laid that out really, really well. (laughs) Yes. And I can really reflect back on my own life and journey and so many of the things that you just said resonated with me, not as much today, but still elements of it, but definitely back five plus years ago, you know, before I kind of went on my own health journey, you know, it, it almost sounds like you need to really focus inward. And so it's when we look outward to the external validation that we run into these perfectionism tendencies, again, coming from childhood, like you mentioned. So how do you turn your attention inward? One of the foundational practices that I, that I teach at the, at the start of any work I do with a client is just the the concept and the practice of noticing. So noticing your external environment, noticing your physical body and noticing what I call the sensational body or something that a more technical term would be your interoception. So understanding that you have information that is being fed to you on a regular basis that you are translating and that you are creating meaning out of. So we talk a lot about one of the things that's very, was very difficult for me in my, the beginning of my journey is that I tried a lot to figure things out from a cognitive place. I try to go into my mind and like wrestle my thoughts and, and think better things. And, and everybody's built slightly differently, but for a lot of us, it actually is a top down, a a bottom up solution rather is like our bodies are actually steering a lot of our thoughts and a lot of the ways we think about things and and how we think about things and and the frequency of which we think about things. Our bodies are sending the messages up to our brains and our brains are responding with thoughts as opposed to everything my brain does. I am now bringing it downward right? So our bodies are reading our environments. Our bodies are responding, right? When we look at somebody's face and we connect with them, our bodies are the things that are informing our level of safety with this person. Or is this person, how is this person responding to me? You know, like all of these things are part of the the physical aspect of us. So just getting people to notice this neck down situation, which is actually steering the bus that we've just ignored, right? Our brains are so important. No, yes, and this whole situation below the neck is is giving us information all the time. And if we are not noticing it, if we don't understand that, wow, this feeling is bringing up this thought, which is bringing up this behavior, which is going in this direction. Once people start to notice these things about themselves, they start to just relax a bit more and they start to see things and they start to be able to change their interpretations of what they actually mean about a person, about themselves, about the world. So what do you suggest someone does if they're not feeling good in their body or where they're at? It's people have to start where they're at, you know, for a lot of people, uh, you know, starting to connect physically can feel very scary, right? They, they can't, they maybe aren't able to. So I talk about like, you start on the outside, right? You're starting just with your physical environment and starting to notice temperatures and smells and textures and just starting to get your, your eyes, right? If you're a visual person, your eyes, your mind, your body in the same location, and then starting to notice things like your body weight, and noticing the edges of your body, like maybe the texture of your clothing, starting to notice your breathing. So it's like approaching, everybody has to approach themselves from their own, right? One of the things I talk about, I have this fortitude and flow process. And the later part of the process is the action-oriented stuff. And the action-oriented stuff has to be small and doable. That's one of the issues with perfectionists also, is they go into this all or nothing right? That binary, that either, or all or nothing mentality, they go for the all they can't, uh, they can't do it because it's too much. And then they beat up them on themselves. So whatever the action is has to be doable for the individual. And that looks different on everybody. I love that. Yeah. I mean, Marnie and I are big proponents of, you know, small, start small and little actions add up to big results. Yes, absolutely. It's great advice. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what happens when your body's in a state of high stress. I think like kind of dovetailing off of here. Mm -hmm. What are some warning signs of burnout? 
I think like you probably work with a lot of people given that you're working with a lot of perfectionists, right? Yes. Um, and Marty and I do tend to work with a lot of female clients who are maybe close to burnout or having adrenal fatigue. Yes. Yeah. So just as a side note, burnout was actually my entry point into the perfectionism work. I spent years researching, studying, teaching about burnout specifically, because that was one of the symptoms that was coming to me on a regular basis. People were burned out. I then shifted to this, you know, what aspect of burnout did I want to work on? And it was this, okay, the internal things that we can control. So yeah, burnout is such a huge subject. And um, the thing about burnout is that it's sneaky. It's really sneaky because as I've talked about the operating system, right? The more connected we are to our operating system, the more we, we feel the signs, we sense the signs, we understand the signs. Some of the things signs our bodies give us are things like fatigue, right? Fatigue is actually an interoception. It's our understanding of feeling within ourselves that we are tired. Uh, hunger is one of those things. Thirst is one of those things. These are things that our bodies tell us. So one of the things that happens with a person heading towards burnout is they start to suppress and push down these things. They start to kind of disconnect from their body's own signals. It's why things like hangry, right? The word hangry exists. People start to disconnect from that, that hunger information until all of a sudden things are like, we need to eat or we are going to tear somebody's head off, right? So that's one of the things that starts to happen is we start to disconnect from these signs. We start to, um, I sort of give the metaphor of burnout is kind of one of those things where, okay, you're in the kitchen and there's a small fire in the stove and it's a little bit smoky in the kitchen. And you look at the fire and you go, it's no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> then the fire moves and it catches, you know, the, the dining room table on fire. And you're like, you know what? It's fine. You know, meanwhile, the smoke is billowing <laughs> out the windows and then the fire moves to the upstairs and through the attic. And now we've got a full fledged fire. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, actually we have a prop maybe we do have a problem that's full on burnout, right? Is it's constantly, it's ignoring all of these signals that are saying, hello, things are not quite right. This level of fatigue is not normal. You go on vacation, you can't recover. And it's because of that constant survival that I talked about earlier, right? You talked about the adrenal fatigue, this, this level of stress. It is the fact that our bodies are not built to have these hormones constantly surging through our bodies, this level of activation in our nervous system. We're not built to be on that level of vigilance on such a long, long period of time. If we don't come down from it, if we don't close these stress loops and come back to a more neutral level, our bodies break down. It's, it makes complete sense, but we are told, right? We have this narrative that there's pride in being able to push through, which is so dangerous and so destructive. Absolutely. And it's so common in the working world. I mean, I look at my husband and he fits a lot, a lot of this. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. And it's, it's so, it, it's really, it's, it's very, it's one of those things that is so difficult to, to watch because there is one of the, there is such a strong, we are trained, we are conditioned to so strongly associate our worth with our work how much we work, how hard we work, how many hours we work. And it's very difficult to pull these two things apart and hold them as separate because, because of the way our society is structured. We are really tied into, if I don't, if I'm not the hardest worker, if I'm not the person, you know, at the, that's doing X, Y, and Z the most, what does that mean about me? The interpretation, it's so, it's so destructive. And it's I mean, so, I, like, I don't know how you undo that after 40 plus years of living that way and knowing, you know, thinking that I, you know, I have to stay up till 3am answering emails because that's expected of me. Yes. I, I mean, I spent 18 years in the corporate world and that's how, that was my mentality for up until the end. Yes. And, and then I pivoted and did this, but I, I understand. I get that. I was there. And even now elements of that trickle back, right? Like I have to do all these things because everyone else is doing them and I'm not going to be worthy and I'm not going to be successful if I, um, or get the promotion or whatever it is. So, but, but I, 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 and I agree with that, but I also think sometimes like, and you can tell me if this is perfectionism or not, cause I, I don't know, like I get so excited about what I'm doing and passionate about what I'm doing that I might stay up till one in the morning working on something, but I'm not doing it cause I have to do it. I'm doing it cause I'm 
want to do it. And I hope that's coming from a place, a good place. Yeah. It's just, and that's another piece of, of the process that I use is discernment, right? Figuring out what is, what is working, what is not, what is yours, what is not worse, right? That discernment, right? Maybe staying up to one o'clock in the morning is you're like in your flow and you're excited right there. It's coming from a different place. It's a different energy than I am running away from something, right? I am trying not to be caught up with this. I'm running away. I'm trying to avoid the pain, right? I'm trying to avoid the, the punishment. There's this sort of thing that happens. And I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up because it's something that I don't hear people talking about. The amount of energy and the amount of work it takes to decondition from systems and to unvelcro yourself from things you have been taught your entire life and to be swimming in the water that we are constantly swimming in, right? We are immersed in these systems to be swimming in that water and also be de- deconditioning at the same time. Nobody talks about the amount of work that takes to decondition from that, that in and of itself is a process and an effort and an unlearning. And there is grief and there is mourning and there is celebration. There's so much that comes with just the unvelcroing and, and the, the reconnecting. So I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it's not just a like, oh, great, I learned the thing and now I'm better. No, there's actually, your system has to change its baseline, right? When your system is oriented towards the right way to feel is stressed all the time. In order to orient towards the right, I'm putting right in quotes, the right way to feel is generally calm, generally centered, and generally okay. You actually have to rewire your whole system to what actually is safe. What is it okay to be? Which is a journey. And now we want to take a quick break from today's conversation to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Lakewinds Co-op which is a favorite grocery store of ours to shop at in the Twin Cities. We love that Lakewinds has such high standards and vets every single product on their shelves, including their amazing personal care and supplement section so that we don't have to. As busy parents, we don't always have the time or the desire to read every ingredient label. And we, when we shop at Lakewinds, we have confidence that it's been done for us. Grocery shopping should be an enjoyable and calm experience. And Lakewinds does everything to make your experience stress-free from the moment you walk in the door. The decor and aesthetics are really calming and inviting. and We have never met such knowledgeable and friendly staff in all the departments, including meat and seafood, in the wellness department and produce. We love Lakewind's produce section, which focuses on organic and fair trade products. About 95% of the produce is organic and local as much as possible. And they really support the local and small sustainable farmers right here in Minnesota and Wisconsin. The meat buyers actually visit the farms. They talk to the ranchers and see their practices to ensure that the animals are ethically raised and treated, which is really important to us. All of their meat is free from additives, synthetic preservatives, nitrates, antibiotic residues, steroids, and added growth hormones. Unlike many traditional grocery stores, Lakewinds has a banned ingredient list that is used to vet the products on their shelf, which includes artificial flavors, colors, preservatives, high fructose corn syrup, hydrogenated oil, etc. This applies to the food on their shelves as well as the supplements and beauty and personal care products in their wellness department. If an item doesn't meet the product standards, Lakewinds doesn't allow it on their store, and we love that peace of mind. We also love how they seek out local small batch makers who meet their standards and really try to support our local businesses. We all know that maintaining a healthy body and mind has huge implications on our immune systems and being able to fight off the flu. So support your health and wellness in the new year by shopping at your local co-op. You can find the fabulous Lakewinds co-ops in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield, or have groceries delivered from Instacart. While Lakewinds Co-op is a member-owned store, you don't have to be a member to shop and receive their weekly specials. Although we highly recommend that you do become members like us for additional monthly savings and an annual dividend. You can find out more by going to lakewinds.coop. And when you're there, be sure to check out their delicious recipes. And if you don't live in the Twin Cities, we highly encourage you to find your local co-op by heading over to National Co-op Grocers and finding one near you. It's those programs that you've had running since you were a child. And how do you really, practically speaking, how do you work with people to 
deprogram, if you will. Yeah. So a lot of it is the just, like I said, the noticing. So, so the process that I use is the fortitude and flow process is this four-step process. And it's, it's something that depending on where people are, it, it kind of brings you through an action stage. So for instance, we start with noticing, we got to notice the reality first. We got to be here now. Then we have to discern because this is the thing that perfectionists are terrible at. They have no idea how to discern. So I call it the perfectionist two-step, right? The perfectionist two-step is see it and fix it, see it and nail it, see it and get it. They go right from see it and then action. They make no sort of, there's no discernment. There is no a clarification. So when we, when we go through the process, this fortitude and flow process, we go from noticing to discernment. We have to figure out before we even take action, what is, what is my action to take? Is this mine? Is this my anxiety that's asking me to do this thing? Or is this a bunch of BS, right? We have to spend some time with noticing. I'm in my body. I'm connected to myself. Let's discern. Okay. Now that we've discerned, now we can take action. And the kind of action to take is small, doable, consistent, and experimental. This is another concept that is really life-changing for perfectionists because they feel like they only have one, you got to get it right. What the heck does that mean? Experimental is, hey, we've got a theory. We're going to test it out. Let's see how it goes. Hmm, May work. Hmm, Maybe not, but taking the pressure off the action. And then finally is integration. And integration is Letting is, is the sort of reflection on the work that's been done, letting your system land. Who am I now? Did the action I take produce the results I want? And if it didn't, what needs to be adjusted? Kind of giving yourself a chance to just, okay, how to go? How have I shifted? How have I changed? Because we don't, we don't give ourselves that pause to just like relearn who we are on a regular basis, which shifts. It shifts all the time. You know who you are this week? is not who you were last week. It's just, you're not. So letting ourselves catch up with the reality of who we are with all of the actions we take is is really um, super important and hard for people to, again, the conditioning, hard for people to wrap their, their minds around. Wow. I yeah. had so many different thoughts going through my head while you were explaining that. Um, I'm just trying to think. So I could almost see, couldn't you see a perfectionist going through this process and trying to perfect the process? Yes. So how do you, how do you help someone not do that? So it's one of my, I, I have quite a few superpowers and one of them is the, the seeing what the people are doing and the gently reflecting and pointing out, oh, that's so interesting that you, right? Pointing yeah. people out to see the things that they can't see, right? We, it's that whole, we can't see our own label from inside the jar. We can't see what's on the outside. We don't see our actions or what they're doing or our words. Words are really powerful. And the way people speak and the way people explain things, there's a lot of, um, you know, just really awful language that people use to refer to themselves and what they are doing or not doing. And there's a lot of when people start first start. So I'll I'll give you some examples of things that I notice with clients is when they first start showing up to work with me, it's very, okay, I'm in my office. I've got my notebook. I'm going to take my notes. It's very, (laughs) by the time they're done with me, they're like, yeah, I'm outside. I'm under the tree. I got my feet on the ground. I got my tea. I've got my notebook. It's a very different, like how I need to show up to, you know, for the thing, or, you know, people will come to the session. The first thing they'll say is, well, you know, I didn't do as well as I didn't get an, I didn't do as much as I wanted to, or I didn't do as enough. And it's like, okay, We're going to right, right away. We're digging right in there because what the heck does that even, what does that even mean? You know, like, so starting to dig into this constant vocabulary, use these constant things. So that's one of my gifts as a coach is just, um, seeing all of the things because I've lived it. I've guided hundreds of hours of people through it, you know? So it's just experience really is what it comes down to. So one thing we wanted to talk about is, and this kind of gets me, you said just chilling and relaxing is lazy. Can we discuss laziness a bit? Cause it yes. sounds, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I have a real issue and I think Marty may too, I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but like, I see my husband doing this and my kids relaxing on the couch and sitting there while I'm cleaning up and I'm cooking and I never get to sit down And it. I mean, I still, I have an issue with it. Um, it drives me crazy when I think other family members are, you know, just being quote unquote lazy mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. So can we dive into this a bit? Sure. So 
there are two words that I that are sort of like the dreaded um you know if somebody was to toss this word at it these two words are very strong evoke very strong feelings for people laziness and weakness uh-huh. and it's it's these are two words that people want to get as far away from as possible if somebody was to call you know somebody's to call me lazy or somebody's to call me weak it's like every cell in my body wants to push back on that and be like you know show you all the ways that I am not weak or lazy. Um, you know, I think there's a, in terms of seeing other people doing it and, and being frustrated by it, I think there's, you know, more levels to that in terms of you wanting to just chill out and relax and have you you, like having that be the experience that you want to have, right? We want to have that experience of rest. We want the permission to be like, you know what, I don't need to do anything here. And there is this, and I'm going to, I'm just going to say this and, as a sort of explicit, this is, these are the, this is the nonsense we do, right? Call it perfectionist nonsense. This is, I got that word from my mentor. She calls it nonsense and I I'm using it too. The nonsense we do as I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to carry that ball. You're not doing that the way I want you to do it. So I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to pick up this responsibility and this responsibility and this responsibility and this responsibility. And now I'm holding on the responsibilities and screw you people for having all these responsibilities in my hand right? That is one of the things we do. We pick up all the things and then we resent the people that we pick them up from. And I'm very guilty. I'm I'm very guilty also. And what I want to say about that too is, is it's not our fault because that's how we are trained. We are trained. We are all trained under the same narrative as this is the right thing to do. This is how you do things. So the untangling of that, again, the unconditioning of that, the the changing of that is a process. And I totally, I, I feel that for you. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's exhausting. We're, we're, like, we're our own worst enemy, or at least that's what my husband tells me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that too, because I think that that's, uh, you know, when I hear things like that, I'm like, no, no, you are your biggest advocate. Everything yeah. in you is trying to do the best for you. It knows under really messed up circumstances, right? It's the circumstances. It's the systems we're under. It's all of this stuff that is, has created this narrative for us that doesn't work. So I don't think we're our worst enemy. I don't think we self-sabotage. I think we've just, inter- we've interpreted the messages wrong, what they mean about us. So I, I have to push back on that because I just- okay. Well, well, th- well, thank you. This, this is like therapy for me right now. So, so I'm, I, we talked about laziness. I'm guessing your thoughts on multitasking are going to be similar. I'm curious what you think about multitaskers. So yeah, or multitasking, I should say. Sure. So this is an interesting thing because so multitasking, right? Also, sometimes it's called context switching is it, 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 it can really suck energy um, when you're like trying to focus on one thing and then you sort of go off to the next thing. And the, the, what I want to say about that, my opinion on this has changed over time a bit because sometimes for myself, right, how I, how I work, it's almost like I need to bounce a little bit between things in order for me to kind of get my energy going in a certain way. So Yes, context switching is is a, an energy suck, and it can really, especially if it's it's if you're switching between things that are kind of like, oh, I'm gonna check email, but then I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna go over here. That can be really exhausting, and I think that's why it's important to start to understand your own operating system. If for you, your ideal way of functioning and getting things done is you kind of need to sort of dip in and out. You get into a bit of a flow to like get the energy moving. If that's how you work, then again. I don't want to interpret that as like, you're not working correctly. It, so it's, it's a little bit nuanced. I think it does depend on the individual and how they experience it, how it works for them or doesn't work for them. I, I think that's good advice. Cause like, for me, I, I like, I want to say I need to multitask. Like I really struggle working on one thing. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I get less done actually. Yeah. Um, and I, and even less energy, like, like my brain just works in a certain way where I, I need to doing, be doing multiple things. Yeah, actually, let me, let me talk really quickly about, uh, a call I had with a client recently where she, she was feeling like, she was like, I can't, I get stuck in these things where I like, can't make a decision or I'm like trying to, 
And when I talked to her and as I was listening to her talk, I asked her a couple of questions and my suggestion to her, and I think this is true of a lot of us is I'm like, you need to move. If you are trying to get through something that you're banging your head against, go putter, go like organize some books in a bookshelf or go like clean a counter or like go sweep up, you know, sweep up some dog hair, like go just sort of like move things around. Because for a lot of us, it's like, we sit still at our computers and we just will ourselves to do a thing. And it's like, no, that may not be how we work. I know for myself, sometimes I got to go for a walk and just kind of get things moving. And then all of a sudden the ideas come. So know that about yourself. You may be somebody who needs to sit in stillness and let the stuff come to you. You may need to be somebody that has to physically move your body. So starting to understand how you best function. And again, unvelcroing from the way you quote unquote should be doing it is, is good to know about yourself. I used to get in trouble I used to get in trouble a lot in my, in my cube days because my desk was, uh, in view of this CEO and he used to see me, I would like get up from my desk on a regular basis and walk around and he'd be like, what is she doing? And I'm like, I cannot sit here for eight hours a day. Absolutely not. Like I need to get up. I need to walk around. I need to come back, but that's not, you know, that was not really fun. That was kind of frowned upon. (laughs) But that I, more people should be doing that. Yes. I agree. Yes. And I, I, I think Stephanie and I both were both big proponents of movement. And for me, my ideas are always flowing when I'm moving. I yes. like, like I said, sitting yeah. at my desk, just trying to do one thing is hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. I actually put our, our little rebounder mini trampoline in our office, which now I'm not using because COVID we have all of us are at home right now, but I noticed the kids will sometimes go in there and just bounce for a little bit when they're doing schoolwork. Even my husband was on it recently. I was like, what's going on? So yeah, totally agree. Um, So we'd love for you to share a little bit about the book that you're writing. I Mm -hmm. love the title. You're not perfect. And here's how to deal with that. I think it's great. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about the book, when it's going to be released, how people can find out about it? Yeah. So we, I'll, I'll send a link for the, the, you can actually pre not pre-order the book. It's, we're not that far along yet, but okay. you can actually kind of get onto the, get onto the list to be the first to know about the book. I'll make sure that that link is, is in the, in the show notes with you guys. Um, so the book is, is basically about a lot of the things we've talked about today. So explaining, um, you know, how we've gotten disconnected from ourselves, how we've gotten disconnected from our operating systems, how we've been trained by these different systems of oppression and how they are dictating how we think about ourselves and other people. Um, and, and really learning what it is to reorient yourself to your operating system, what that means, what that feels like, and, and going through that process, the fortitude and flow process of noticing, discerning, acting, and integration. So it, it is really the the framework of what I do with clients one-on-one, but because it is a, uh, a way that somebody can be guided through the work, then they can read it in the book and have an idea of where to start themselves. Okay. That's awesome. So not to put any pressure on you, but like rough time frame as to when you think it may be released. Yeah. I mean, my, my hope is that it will be released maybe mid, mid 2021. That's my, that's my hope for things, but I'm, it's one of those things where I, with timelines for me, I'm like, all right, I can set one, but I also have to understand that I may have to let go of what that timeline is. But that's mm-hmm. my, that's my fingers crossed. Hey, everything's in alignment. We're going, it's all good. That's, that's and, the timeline. And in the meantime, how can people find you and how can they work with you? Yeah. So, uh, I have a, I have a nice little, actually I have a grounding meditation that talks a lot about the the noticing practice that I, that I went through today. So I have a link for that. If people want to get that meditation from me and then they can engage every single week, I send out emails that help people to, um, understand sort of their conditioning and how to decondition from that. Um, and that, that will help them understand how to work with me as well. So my website is fortitudeandflow.com. I am very active on Instagram. It's a, it's a very, uh, I like that platform. It feels very simple and accessible. So, uh, at fortitude and flow is my handle on Instagram and, and yeah, any of the notes in the, I'll make sure that the, the links that you have for the show notes are all can all lead people where they need to go. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, I know you've already kind of shared some tips and um, strategies a bit, but we'd love to leave our listeners with just even one or two practical tips that they could immediately implement into their life. What's something people, someone could do today or tomorrow? I think the biggest thing is, is just noticing. So 
taking a moment to just, and even as I'm saying this, listeners can do this. doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be driving, you can be walking, you can be sitting, you can be whatever. I know some people I'll be hanging out in the kitchen doing stuff and listening to podcasts. So just starting to notice, just looking up, looking around, noticing the environment you're in, noticing how your body moves as you breathe, noticing how gravity is working on you. The body loves consistency and the body loves predictability and your breathing and your body weight are two things that you can always rely on. So just getting people to start to notice their reality in this moment, which may be different than the reality that their head was off on a second ago, just starting to notice, just starting to connect and and just a little bit every single day um, is it seems so silly and so little, but I am telling you, it is a, it is a life-changing practice to build upon. I couldn't agree more. And right now I'm noticing that there's like a blizzard outside my window. <laughs> I, I'm not going to want to go upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Like, like literally there, it's, it's like a whiteout. <laughs> so. Oh boy. Um, anyway. These tips have been amazing. And one last question we like to ask all our guests as we wrap up is what does the art of living well mean to you? So the art of living well means being deeply and enthusiastically connected to your brilliant operating system. I think that is beautiful. So succinct, so well said. It really sums up this entire conversation, which honestly has been a little bit like therapy for me. So, so thank you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this has been, this has been amazing. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for this, this conversation. This has been so, and I, I think it's going to really help listeners to just have a different perspective on what they may be seeing in their lives and what it, what it means and to just take some pressure off. Yeah. And it's, and it's a topic that people don't really talk about. So I love that we kind of dove into this today. Yeah. 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 I would love to hear more and more conversations about this for sure. Yes. Well, I'm sure we'll have to have you on again after the book gets launched and we can dive more into that. Love and that. I know, I know our listeners are going to take, um, take a lot away from this. So, and all your insight. So thank you so much, Audrey. Thanks so much for having me. I love this conversation. Yeah. Have a wonderful have day. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.